Matthew chapter 28, beginning in the first verse. Now after the Sabbath, it began to dawn toward the first day of the week. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, the severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his garment as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he was laying, but go quickly tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he's going before you into Galilee, and there you will see him. Behold, I have told you, Father, thank you for your word. And as we look to it this morning, help us to hear from you. That's the need of our hearts, Lord. Jesus' name, amen. He's not here. He is risen. Go tell his disciples that he's going ahead of you into Galilee. You know, as I was thinking about the whole Easter account this week, going over it again and again, you know, you, we see the historical facts and we, we focus on those. But, but the gospel writers give us some other details. And this, this week, as I was thinking about the resurrection, some, some events occurred that drew my attention that are a little bit over the category of details, and I started to think about them and their impact. Um, the whole thing of Jesus not being there, we're going to talk about that a little bit, and the whole thing of him going to Galilee, go up to Galilee, Jesus will be waiting for you there. I started to think about that. So that's, that's what I want to talk about this week. Um, to do that first, again, we need to create kind of a timeline. If you think about the resurrection account and what happened, we come up with a pretty good timeline. It's not exact, but it, it serves our purposes. First, we have the resurrection. That is the most important thing. The factual, hard history of the resurrection. All right. Without that, none of this matters. Without that, today is not one bit different than any other day. Without that, our faith, our belief is not one bit better than anybody else's. Just another way of looking at the world. But with that, everything changes. Starts with the resurrection. The women come to the tomb. They find it empty. They're greeted by angels. They're told he has risen. They run and tell others. Peter and John run to the tomb. The women return back to the tomb. Somewhere in this process, Jesus appears to the women. It's the first time he's actually seen resurrected by one of his disciples. Later that day, there'll be two men walking on the road to Emmaus, a nearby village. Jesus will appear to them. Later that evening, he will appear inside of a room to the gathered disciples, all, of course, except Thomas. He missed that one. Eight days later, we're told, the disciples are gathered again. This time Thomas is there. Jesus appears again. That marvelous encounter with Thomas. Thomas, put your hands in the hole and see. Another evidence, the reality of his resurrection. Sometime in this process, Jesus also appeared to Peter by himself. At least five separate occasions in that first week, Jesus appeared in bodily form to his disciples. We then have a gap in the account because we know there's 40 days from Jesus' resurrection to his ascension to heaven. We can, we've got him in Jerusalem for about a week. That gap of at least 30 days is 
likely the time he spent up in Galilee. We don't know much of what happened in Galilee. Uh, Matthew recorded, as we read this morning, they would go to a mountain. We can assume that happened. What we know happened, though, is in John chapter 21, when the guys are out fishing and Jesus shows up on the beach. You can read that later if you'd like. John chapter 21. They're out fishing. They're not catching anything. Jesus is standing on the beach, yells out to the guys, put your net on the other side of the boat. Peter had to think, here we go again. He's seen this before. They put the net on the other side of the boat. They have another miraculous catch of fish. Peter figures out who he's dealing with, makes his way to the beach, and there they find Jesus standing beside a fire of coals with fish on it. I want you to remember that picture. Jesus standing by a fire of coals with fish on it, right? So now they've met him at least twice in Galilee. Now the Apostle Paul adds something to this timeline in 1 Corinthians 15. He adds two notes. He adds that somewhere in this, in this time, Jesus appeared to his half-brother James. That had to be a fascinating conversation. I would love to have heard part of that. We're not told what happened, but Jesus appeared to his brother James. But then he also notes, and this is extremely important for us to note, that he met with 500 of his believers at one time. Paul makes that notation in Corinthians. So with that timeline... What can we say about Jesus after the resurrection? Why would he, for example, have gone to Galilee? Why make that road trip? Well, I think Paul's note that he met with 500 people is a pretty good idea. I don't think meeting with 500 believers in Jerusalem a couple weeks after the resurrection was going to work. I cannot compete with this. I can, I, can get, I can compete with a lot, but not that. Sorry. No, no, that's really, that is absolutely fine. That's absolutely fine. Just tell me i got to get going and wrap this up. Okay, here's the point. Jesus moved his disciples out of Galilee, out of Jerusalem to Galilee for a single reason. He's bulletproof, right? You can't crucify somebody twice. He can't be killed again. His disciples aren't so safe. They still have Pharisees. They still have Romans. They still have a lot of people to be concerned about. They have gone from the depth of despair, seeing their rabbi crucified, died, and buried, to the height of ecstasy, seeing him resurrected. And when they're in the middle of that reaction, Jesus appears to say, let's move this party north, okay? Let's have our, be let's have our grill on the beach up north where it's safe. He understood the circumstances they were still dealing with. The other point I would note is that, was that one comment that, that the... Um, the um, the angel made, when Mary and, and the others came into the tomb, he said, I know what you're looking for, you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. And then he points, he said, this is where he laid, he's not there. Does that strike anybody as odd? We're talking about God. He's not there? Where can God not be? See, the, see Scripture makes it absolutely clear. God is everywhere. The psalmist said, if I make my bed in hell itself, he's there. Dark and light are the same to him. Now, that doesn't mean God can't make moral distinction. That means to be in abject darkness or total light, God's fine both places because he's everywhere. So if Jesus isn't there, that tells me he is still operating in the confines of a human body. Even in his resurrected existence, at least up until the ascension, he is still operating in the confines of a human body. And this is why it's important. 
How did he get from Jerusalem to Galilee? He walked. He walked. He's operating in the confines of a human body, which means that roughly three-day journey, which is packed with people, because there were a lot of people in Jerusalem for Passover, and they're making their way north. You're either on the coastal road or the inland road, a lot of people on that road, and Jesus is walking by. And most of them knew about the crucifixion, and they'd heard the rumors of the resurrection. And they're walking along the road, and they see Jesus. I thought he was dead. Or put yourself, and this is where I want to go, and we'll wrap up with this. Put yourself in a little village in Galilee. You were one of them that didn't go to Jerusalem for the festival. A lot of people didn't go. They didn't always go. You're one of the people that didn't go to Jerusalem to the festival. So you're sitting in a quiet little seaside village somewhere on the Sea of Galilee doing whatever it is you do. Doing whatever it is you do. I happen to have my portable euro stand there, and I'm making euros. I'm going to sell euros to the crowd going by. Right? That's what I'm doing. But you've heard what happened in Jerusalem. You heard what happened to Jesus. Process that thought any way you would process that thought if you were there. Maybe your thinking is, I can't believe they do it to him. Maybe your thought is, I had it coming. Whatever you were thinking, think those thoughts. And suddenly you look down to the beach and you see someone you recognize to be Jesus making a fire. Throwing some fish on that fire and cooking breakfast for a bunch of fishermen. Put yourself in that situation. And now you realize he has just turned his towards you and he's coming towards you. And he starts the conversation. What is said? How does the conversation start? Aren't you? Yeah, that's what I thought. Didn't they? Yeah. Weren't you? Yeah. How'd you get here? How does the conversation end? And most importantly, what do you do after that conversation? Father, I thank you that as we read again the account of the resurrection of your son. Father, it's so easy for us to pass that into the stuff of history. Even if we acknowledge it's, his, it's, it's reality, yeah, we, it's, actually, it's the hard stuff of history. We know he was resurrected. It's still so easy to let that pass into the stuff of history. Father, I pray this morning, whatever it takes. Father, if we can't bring the resurrection of Jesus into our time, help us take ourselves back to that time somehow, Father, so that we can understand what it meant for him to walk out of that grave. We get a hold of that, Father. Our lives will never be the same. I'm so grateful, Father, that you, your son was concerned enough about his followers to draw them away from a city where death awaited. We knew that was going to happen. Stephen's going to be a martyr in short order. Jesus, you drew your disciples away so you could have that time with them. You're so concerned about us. Father, I pray that as we go through the rest of this day, as we share a meal together, as we share fellowship, Father, this overriding truth that you are alive and you are among us will animate everything we do.
In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together this morning. Father, we thank you that we do have this day. Father, we thank you that we have a meal to share and fellowship to share around the tables, Father, that we will be sitting at. Most importantly, Father, we thank you for the life that we share and the meaning you infuse into our lives through the accomplished work of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Amen.